Suicide Logs episode 224. Um, if it's not episode 224, get over it. Uh, I've got some stuff in the chamber for you. We've got Peter's perspective. We did about 50 minutes of Peter's perspective and we were going to continue on. Um, had a really amateur mistake happen on me. We were recording. I had to pause it. I had a phone call and then I forgot to unpause it and we kept going. I don't know how much footage has been lost. And um, But maybe there's a, maybe it's a sign. Maybe there's a reason why it didn't get recorded. I haven't looked back at it, so I don't know where we were at. Um, but anyways, today I have a guest for you guys. It's a uh, it's a comedian who I've met in the open mic scene in the Bay Area in the comedy world. I have immersed myself in the comedy world. Um, I am a white belt. I am a nuisance. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't like me in the comedy scene yet. I think they just don't care about me. I'll say that. But that's normal. A lot of comedian people are very into themselves, which is why I feel like I fit in. Um, but scoring some cool interviews with some cool comedians that I feel like I vibe pretty well with. Sorry, I'm eating turkey bacon. Even though I gained an hour of sleep. It's November 6th here in California. We set the clocks back an hour. It's probably the first time in forever I've gotten eight hours of sleep. Benny, shut up. I'm doing a podcast. And so we're going to go call my guy in about four minutes. The interesting thing about this guy, I don't know how long he's been doing comedy. I think I've asked him already. Maybe about, he's probably, I think he's about a year in. We'll see what he says. And, uh, but the interesting thing about this guy is that he works at a crematory. And, uh, he does a lot of material on that. Um, and, and I follow him on Instagram at Don Somber Forever. I'm pretty sure the Don is short for Donald. And, um, I like his vibe, man. He's got a very life and death poetic vibe to him um he's black i didn't know he was black he's so light-skinned i thought he was at least puerto rican at the most i've got puerto rican friends who say the n-word if you give them enough alcohol that's a different story um but yeah we're gonna go give this guy a call and we will uh take it from there man so i present to you Comedian slash crematory worker Don Somber. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What's up, man? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. How you doing? I'm good, man. I got the I got the recording on right now. You you are live. Not live, but live to me. <laughs> recording <laughs> for suicide logs. Um, I already kind of gave you a little bit of an introduction. Um, so yeah, man, thanks for coming on my show. Happy to have you on, man. You're a very interesting cat. Hey, I appreciate that a lot, man, and as are you. Thanks, man. Yeah, I was just telling the podcast about um, meeting you in the uh, 
Bay Area comedy world. And uh, I think the thing that sticks out the most about you is your job and you you do a lot of your material on that stuff. So really just wanted to take this time to talk about your your perspective, your thoughts on comedy and um, and working at a crematory. And I was just telling everybody, you know, I, I follow you on Instagram and I like the vibe that you've got. You know, you've got a very, uh, what did I say, artistic, poetic uh, vibe, life and death about you. And I fuck with it, man. I feel like it's a little bit of how I am as well. Um, but maybe yeah, a different take of it. So, um... What was it? What was it? I don't know, man. I forgot. How long have you been working at a crematory? Yeah, it's been a little over a year and a half now. Oh, okay. I've been working in the funeral industry for about three, four years. Oh, so what were you doing before you were burning the bodies? I was actually picking up the dead bodies from crime scenes, houses, sides of the road, etc., etc. Wow. And what, so what do you prefer? To be honest with you... Um, I was more intrigued by the the removal aspect of you know death, and uh, but I do appreciate the job that I have now. I mean, it takes really good care of me. Right, right. Yeah, I I, I think at one point I was looking into that job, um, the first the first one, not uh, the burning bodies part, but just like cleaning up crime scenes and stuff. I think a comedian that I'm a fan of had somebody. Um, have a guy who do that job on his podcast and um it's interesting man like i don't know i haven't really been around death that much in my life um i'd say i've got rookie numbers compared to what you've got racked up um definitely seen more dead animals than i have i'm trying to see no i've seen dead bodies i've seen dead bodies at like funerals and stuff like that but um and there's been tons of times I'd be driving down the street and I'll just kind of like do a double take and be like, is that guy dead or just taking a nap? And that's, that's about it. <laughs> but I've never really officially like gone up to somebody and pulled them out. Do you have like, I feel like if you've been doing that job for the amount of time that you've been doing it, um, you get kind of numb to it, I'm assuming, right? You would imagine that you get numb to like the emotional aspect, but that part never really goes away. Uh, you just kind of accept it as reality and, you know, go about it. I mean, somebody has to do the job. It's a dirty job. But, uh, you know, we got to clean up the mess that we made. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. Do you uh, do you think that's healthy uh, for your mental state or do you think it's the opposite or a little bit of both? you think there's pros and cons to that? I generally don't think you enjoy working in the funeral industry unless you are already unhinged or a little bit crazy. Mm. Uh so when it comes to like mental health, most people that work in that job field, uh, they tend to be lacking in that department or, you know, overzealously excited all the time and happy to kind of take away from the fact that, you know, life is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you deal with death in, in all aspects of jobs, really. I mean, but you're just kind of like, that's that's the main course for what you're dealing with, you know? Oh, yeah. Snap next cash checks, man, all day. Yeah. yeah I'd say you got here. You're pretty good on the job stability part of things. Uh, I don't think they're going to get rid of death anytime soon. Um, no, sir. How do you want to die? That's a good question, man. Uh, you know, obviously, everybody wants to know when they're going to pass away, when in reality, 
I would say 90% of us don't ever know. Of course. But if I had the option, I would like to die slowly and then just go out in a blaze of glory by taking as many fucking drugs as I want to that day. Really? Even at like a really old age? Oh, hell no. I don't want to to get past uh, 70 at the latest. Hmm, really? Uh, Are your, um, your folks still alive? Well, my mom and my stepdad are still around, my aunt, my uncle, but anybody older than that is gone now. Okay. Uh, it's unfortunate side effect of, you know, drinking, cancer, and old age. Yeah. Man, um, I, so me, I'm kind of the opposite. I, um, one of my goals that I talk about a lot on this podcast is I want to be 100 years old. And it is it is a uh, change throughout the years. It's turned into not only do I want to be a hundred years old, but now I want to just be a hundred years old and have like a really happy one hundred year life. And then I also yeah. want to be a hundred and still able to do ten push-ups. And um, I don't know the way modern medicine is going. I feel like I've got a good chance at it, but. Um, yeah, I've kind of learned, you know, the older you get, the more death you experience. And it's just like, sometimes I look at old people a little differently than I did when I was younger. I think about like, man, how much trauma has that person gone through in their life that I haven't gone through yet because of experience, you know? I think it's a real challenge to be 100 and happy. 100%. Um, yeah, I just recently lost uh, my last grandparent like maybe a couple of weeks before I started doing comedy and uh it's crazy I was just I was thinking about it um just yesterday um and just kind of reflecting on that I don't know my memory like from when I was really young it's really strong compared to like now like I could remember things from when I was like in elementary school kindergarten a lot more sharper than whatever happened a year ago um, <laughs> well, how old are you, man? 29. 29. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm 28. We're around the same age. Are you, are you, uh, I was talking about it on the podcast earlier. Are you, uh, half black, half white? Or are you just like fully black, super light skin? Uh, do you remember the intro to Powerpuff Girls at all? Yeah, yeah. The city of Townsville. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a whole lot of crack, and that's how you make me. Okay. Bro, I had no idea you were black. I, 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 just, I thought you were Puerto Rican for the most part or something. I mean, I, I can go with that. I just like to say, like, racially ambiguous is where I live. Oh. Um, so are you trying but, to tell me you're, you're not 100% sure, or you're just kind of lazy to get into everything? have you been doing comedy that's a good question at least stand-up comedy six and a half months months. oh swear we're around the same uh around the same time frame Uh, comedy age that's good yeah i feel like i've asked you a a couple of these questions running into you multiple times but i always forget so that's my apologies 
like I said, my memory's not as sharp as when it comes to stuff from way back then. It's weird, man. Like I feel like at this age, making friends is just such a weird experience. Like compared to people that you've known for such a long time, you know. Like uh, I, I guess I did. I, I definitely include you as a friend. You're definitely a comedy friend, you know. When I see you around at the clubs and stuff, I'm like, that's a mutual. That's a guy who I've already established. We both know each other and along with a bunch of other people's, but it's like, it's weird. It's weird. And that, that goes with like other things uh, besides comedy. It could go with work. I don't know. You, what do you think about that? What do you think about like making friends as like somebody in your late twenties? Isn't it a different like experience? Um, it's definitely not as easy as it was when we were younger. I percent agree with you on that. Um, but part of my backstory is that I used to move around a lot because of foster care. So my whole personality was developed around being able to, to basically acclimate to any environment with any background of people. And that's the reason why, you know, I talk the way I do and sound the way I do and get along with everybody the way I do. It just, uh, it was a survival mechanism. Yeah. If I was, you know, if I spent all my time in foster care alone and unable to make friends then I probably wouldn't be anywhere near as entertaining for <laughs> sure. But at the same time, I wouldn't be as stable either. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's um, what's your favorite place that you've lived in? That's a tough question. Um, to be honest with you, there was a house that I lived in in, in the Oakland Hills with this family that uh, they couldn't conceive their own kid, but they wanted to adopt me. Yeah. And uh, you know, treated me like a little prince. And I love that little spot. They sent me to a private school. I uh, loved the teacher there. And then I fucked that up. So that, that was the best place I ever lived. How'd you fuck it up? Well, Drama. you know, being a kid, you don't really, you don't really think about your emotions the way that you do as an adult. So yeah. I kind of just tucked him away, put him in the back of the closet, forgot about him. You know, all these this anger and distress from from being ripped away from my family. Right. And one day it all just kind of came out, and I went and assaulted a couple of kids in my class. Uh, said some words I shouldn't have said. <laughs> How old are you? I was, this is right before I went back to my mom. So I was like five, six years old in that area. Oh, wow. And you remember it, huh? Oh, clear as day. <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah, man, I never really thought about, you know, I've heard of it growing up and stuff about the corruptness of the foster care system and stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. But it never really hit me until I started getting older and more mature to kind of realize, like, dude, this is, like, this shit is just as big as a problem. And if anything, it correlates to the homeless problem, you know? 100%. And, uh, yeah, I have a couple of friends that have gone through the foster care system. And they they always kind of have nasty things to say about it. But it it's almost like when I have a friend... um, that I've known for years and I hear about that stuff, I almost... I almost treat them like a veteran or something like like they went through it, you know, and I'll never really truly understand it. Um, um, I, I don't know. Just growing up, I just thought it was su- such a simple fix. Like, yeah, everybody wants to adopt this and that. And um, no, man, it's it's super complicated. A lot of these kids, they go through shit. Um, Benny, shut up. Um, my cat was doing the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bad. I couldn't hear your cat, though. So you're good on his end. But my cat's chatty as a motherfucker he wants to get in on this podcast um 
I don't know. Like what uh, overall, like just to keep it short, don't want to like spend too much time on it. Um, what would you say your overall experiences with the foster care system? Like how many, how many years did you do in, in the system? And like on, like on a scale of one to 10, like 10 being the absolute worst five, like knowing it could have been worse. You know what I mean? Well, actually opposite one being the worst and 10 being like, I got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll say I'm somewhere towards the bottom, like a three, four in that area. Mm. But the only reason why it wasn't any worse was because I wasn't a retarded little shit. You know, like being a little nigga from the hood, most people would kind of anticipate you to not really have much uh, in terms of brain power, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, so when I went into these these homes and they realized that I was, you know, this four or five year old reading at like a seventh or eighth grade level, they were kind of taken aback and didn't know how to fucking treat me. So mm. they let me alone for the most part, but I watched some bad shit happen to other kids around me that weren't smart enough to open their mouth, you know? Yeah. I feel like, um, my memory of being a child, I feel like I would not do well in the foster care system. It took me till about the 10th grade to start reading at an eighth grade level. Um, I had this thing growing up called, it was like an after school program because my parents had to work and they couldn't pick me up when school was over. So I had to hang out at this place till like 6 uh, p.m. And every day I would cry. Every day I hated it. Um, and there wasn't even a reason. Nobody was like molesting me or beating the fuck out of me. I would just get a wave of anxiety of like, damn it, all these kids are going home and I'm still at school. And I just, uh, uh, out of however long I did it, there was probably only two or three days where I didn't cry. Um, yeah, I'm fucking soft. Um, (laughs) I was trying to, uh, what was I going to say? I forgot, man. I don't know. I'm trying not to really just make it so interview and stuff. I'm just, I'm just trying to vibe. My show usually goes on like about an hour. So whatever you got on your mind, man, I just, uh, I'm just trying to hang out. I'm chilling. I'm, I'm having coffee. We we had to set the clocks back an hour, didn't we? Yeah, I, I was playing uh, Rocket League last night when the clock reset, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, an extra hour, fucking around." <laughs> yeah, dude, I saw that. I uh, I recently just got into Rocket League, like not too many months ago. I'm total ass at the game though, so you probably wouldn't want to play with me. But um, I got the new Call of Duty, so that is what I am like been fixated and fascinated not fascinated but fucking excited to play lately feel like a fucking kid again you play call of duty uh i kind of gave up on call of duty after black ops 2 okay Uh, i was really only in it for the zombies oh yeah zombies is where it's at dude yeah man you've (laughs) actually that makes sense with the vibe that you give off like i see all the art that you're sharing and stuff like that um have you always kind of been like that or did do you feel like working at the crematory kind of accentuated it a little bit more or Uh, just working with death yeah working with death definitely uh accentuated that part of my personality but what really started that whole um belief system that you know death is the only real truth in the world is and it should be celebrated mind you is that um i was like playing tony hawk yeah, pro skater, underground pro skater. You remember that game? Oh yeah, that shit got me into skateboarding. Yeah, I fucking love that game. Love all those games. They were the shit. Um, 
Okay. Right? Okay. And it's one of my favorite hip-hop songs of all time. But something about the song really started making me think about life in a, in a subjective manner rather than just me being here. It's more like a, you know, why? What am I here for? What's my purpose? You know, what 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 can I do to make life really worth living after I've already survived all this dumb, crazy shit that I've gone through? And um, it was just the understanding that at some point I am going to die. And there's really nothing I can do about it. But there's a way to live forever, and that is to have people remember your name. Yeah. You know? So at 11 years old, I decided, you know what? So I'm going to celebrate death as the only real truth. And on top of that, I'm going to make something of myself. You know, to turn around and make all this uh, emotional investment in my family that made into me worth it. You know? That's good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming Don is short for Donald, right? I think I've seen you put Donald somewhere before. Oh, no. Don is a pseudonym. Oh, really? Yes, sir. Don Sombra is a name I made up back in six, when I was 16 years old doing art. Oh, okay. So, you're, so your name isn't really Don? No, sir. <laughs> and I'm sure you, do you like to keep it private like that? You don't ever say your real name? I like to keep it a mystery. Yeah, it's to the mysteriousness. Okay, that's cool. But yeah, like your name is on Instagram is Don Sombra Forever. And yeah, I definitely thought of it in that aspect of... Um, living on forever through through your art right that's correct yeah uh somebody told me there's two times when you die the first time you die is when you physically die and then the second time you die is when everybody who's still alive forgets you and nobody thinks about you yeah i think about that every day yeah so is that important to you like do you do you feel like um it's a goal to have your name be remembered as long as possible, long after you're gone. Not my name. That's the thing. Uh, or just like your art, I'd say. No, less even that. Um, the, the thing that I want people to remember me for specifically is just how I treated them. Mm. Right. So in, in reality, you know, everybody can, can make assumptions about who I am and what I'm about. But, I mean, really the only comic that I spent a lot of time with outside of doing open mics is PJ. And he can tell you for a sheer fact that, you know, I'm, I'm a genuine dude. Yeah. Um, I stand by my friends. I do whatever I can to support you guys. And <clears throat> that's just something I, you know, I want to strive to be. Just, you know, the best man that I could possibly afford to be uh, for the people around me. You know, and that's, that's all I ever want is just for everybody around me to have a good life. Yeah. Let's talk about PJ for a second. But um, I hate to say this. Um, you're kind of out of nowhere. Your voice got all like radio. Like uh, I don't know if you did anything different, or maybe I should just try to call you again. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Give me another call because you got a little choppy too. Okay. Uh, one second. We're gonna give that three stars because he's he's eligible, but. All right, uh, testing, hello. Sorry, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, way better. It must have just kind of glitched out for a second. Um, Get out of my little shit. <laughs> Wait, say something again? Yo. Okay, okay, much better, much better. So, did you know PJ before you, you did comedy, or did you just meet him in the comedy world? No, I met him over at uh, Tipsy Lounge. Now it's called Danny Murray's, but that's where oh. I met him. Okay. Yeah, he's, uh, it's funny, I was like, 
I heard about the Tipsy Lounge when it was the Tipsy Lounge, and I was thinking about hitting that place up. And so every time I'm about to do a, a new comedy club or something, I'll YouTube it because I just want to yeah. see if people have like footage of them doing like just see what it's like, see if it's worth driving out there. And one of the only people who had footage was uh, that PJ guy, and the yeah. like he just stuck out to me as like some Indian guy who wore suspenders. Or um or overalls, I think that's what it was. And he had these crazy sets, dude. Like these crazy sets where he's just yelling for ten minutes. Nobody really knows what he's saying, and he'll drop the N bomb, but he'll be like San N bomb. And I think the last time I was out there, you guys were talking about that. And I thought people didn't like him. I thought he was just like some crazy fucking guy that everybody was just like who the fuck is this? But no, he's actually very liked with all of the comedians. And he's like, you know, he's part of the fucking crew. And um, I saw him go up, but I didn't watch his full set when I ran into you guys out there. Um, and he's a cool guy. He's, he seems like a genuinely nice guy. Um, but from what I saw on YouTube, I remember I was talking to Luis. I was like, yeah, there's this. I was like talking about him before I even knew his name, PJ. I was like, there's this crazy guy with... I think he's like Indian with with overalls and it's like oh yeah that's PJ that's PJ and I was like trying to out him I was like yeah man he stole a joke and I was like talking about yeah he had this set where he was uh talking about these kids who did meth and it was like a popular joke on Kill Tony and it was just like these kids who did meth and the punchline was like well meth is a summer drug I don't want to get into like how long it was and all of that. Do you ever see that? Like, do you ever see people do jokes? And I always try to, especially since I'm kind of new, I always try to keep an open mind and be like, well, if it's super broad, maybe they didn't steal it. Maybe they just kind of touched up on it. But then sometimes there'll be somebody, they'll just say it and I'll be like, bro, I've heard the whole, you just recited somebody else's whole monologue. And I feel like I've only seen it like twice. And one of those times could have it still been a little Eh, it's probably a coincidence. But have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, well, obviously everybody knows about the most famous incident of that, which is Carlos Mencia. Yeah. Um, and then I think Amy Schumer does the same shit. But yeah. my, my belief system is such that these people, you, you don't need to out them. You don't need to treat them like shit. You don't need to you know call them out or anything like that. Yeah. Life is going to do that for you. Mm. You know, just let them keep being thieves and act like they're doing something with themselves when in reality they feel like more of a piece of shit than you think they are, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, personally, if I were to do something like that, it wouldn't feel as satisfying, of course. And I think I saw something on Reddit about it. Somebody was complaining about, like, their situation. Um, yeah. Um, like, how would you feel if I came up on stage and just started lying and saying, yeah, I work at a crematory, I <laughs> just started doing your whole set, you know? And it's it just... makes me laugh because everybody in the area knows that I'm the crematory guy. Right, So right. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't even fly. Everybody would be like, you lying piece of shit, you know? Yeah, like, the... like I guess that's a situation where, like like you said, you don't even really need to out him. You just kind of need to let, uh, I don't know the best word, all I can think is karma, just do its Mom. work. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's the best way to go about it. Because at first, I don't know, maybe I was just super prideful. I was like, no, I'm fucking going up to somebody and saying something if they stole my joke. But then people on Reddit were, they were saying, man, don't worry about, like, an open mic or stealing your jokes. Like, if it's that important, it would it would make, 
it would make sense. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not tripping about it. I don't think my jokes are good enough for people to steal them, I guess. <laughs> or even even try anyways. Or just make them so unique that, you know, theft is obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So how, how often are you hitting open mics? Like a week, once a week kind of thing? Or twice a week? Uh, it's anywhere between once to three times a week, with Wednesday at Danny Murray's being the only time that I go every single fucking week. Is that one like, why that one is the one that makes you like the regular kind of there? Is it just convenience with the time and stuff, or do you just like the vibe there? It's all of those things, to be honest with you. It's, you know, everybody that goes there is usually in a good mood. Uh, there's only been like two bad mics there ever that yeah. I know of. Um, Luis is a cool dude. You know, he's the host of that, of that spot. So, you know, I try to support him as best I can because he was the, you know, the first guy to actually give me some good advice. Mm. And then on top of that, I just feel like really fucking comfortable there. I mean, it's all basically just comics. Yeah. And if I can make crazy bastards laugh, then I can make anybody laugh. Yep. Yeah. It's really challenging. Um, the less people there there are, but I think that's really important. I feel like if you, if you get up on stage and maybe even like a, like in front of a really big crowd with most people, not comics, I feel like you get this, this false sense of confidence that anything you say is going to be funny if you just somewhat try to like hint at it, but it's not like that with the comedians. And I even feel that like with myself, if somebody gets up, like I have, I feel like I've got undiagnosed ADHD. If somebody goes up there and I can't even fucking hear them or maybe they've got the stage fright kind of thing still going on, I'm like, forget about it. Like, you need to either have some killer-ass fucking jokes to make up for your your stage presence kind of being out of line or you got to make it work. But even sometimes, dude, like sometimes somebody could just say something that's so fucking balls funny and a minute later they'll still lose me. So I, I definitely feel like I'm a tough audience member. Um, sometimes I'll bring my girl with me and she'll be like, you're always yawning through people's sets. And I'm like, I'm sleepy, dude. Like it's late at night. I can't help it. I'm not trying to be rude and say they're boring. It's hella funny, dude. A couple of weeks ago, somebody was up on stage and I was trying to disguise my yawns with laughs because I was up front and I just wasn't trying to be rude. (laughs) I can hear that now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or just, (laughs) just fighting, opening my mouth and shit. What was the advice that Luis gave to you? Luis is a cool guy. I was uh he said he'd be down to do my podcast. He's a he's an interesting cat as well. He's he's hilarious. Dude, words out of him like squeezing blood from a fucking stone though. So, good luck with that. I saw him on another podcast. He seemed cool. Um but yeah, he is I get yeah, he definitely is kind of a quiet guy. He's very he's very yeah, laid back. And then he'll go on stage and just fucking rip you with his jokes <laughs> and that's it got good shit oh, um yeah so going back to what you were asking the the advice that he gave me was he actually gave me two pieces of advice he was like when you go up there don't try to be funny just be funny mm. which you know it's kind of like one of those mr miyagi things like what the fuck does that even mean but yeah. i understood Okay. Um, and then the other thing you said is, I wait, I hate the way you dress, quit now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's up with that, actually? I want to ask you, like, you always come super uh, dazzled up, like we've got fucking senior prom going on sometimes. Not every time, but I've seen pictures, I've seen a couple times, like, 
So do you just get off work and get all dressed up to go out? Or is it part of your gimmick? Like, what's your take on it? What's your take on it? Uh, the way I like to look at it is I go from being ashy to classy every day. Ah, I get it. <laughs> uh, it. Obviously, it's a line from a fucking really good hip-hop song way back in the day. You know, Biggie? Nigga never been as broke as me. Oh, anyway, so this, the whole point of it is I like getting dressed up because it just makes me feel better. You know what I mean? Okay. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, when your girl comes home, she puts her makeup on, you got everything all dolled up. Yeah. She'd be wearing a potato sack. And you'd be looking at her like she's the queen of the universe. You know what I mean? I hear you. Look good, feel good. Exactly. Okay. I, I, like, I, I I understand that. I guess just for me personally, I I fucking I don't own a suit. I don't have any nice clothes. I've always sucked when it came to dressing nice, like in in your genre of dressing nice, like in that in that type of manner. I don't own a yeah. fucking blazer, or I don't even know how to tie a tie, dude. You're probably judging me right now. <laughs> um, I don't know how to tie a tie in seven different ways, man. It doesn't mean you need to know in one. You know? <laughs> I think um, I think something for me that makes it hard for me to dress like that is my hair. I feel like I to make to match a suit, I'd need a fresh ass fucking fade. Um, no, you don't. No, you don't. What do you think I need to do with my hair? You think I need to braid it up? You think I need to just put it up? Because I just feel like, I mean, you're looking at me right now. If I just had this fucking mop hanging with a suit, I just feel like, especially with like my body type, I'm a little shorter. I feel like I just look kind of not how I want to look. But it, you know, so like I feel more comfortable wearing a fucking hoodie and a hat and jeans more than I would if I were wearing a suit. Like if I were wearing a suit, I feel like people would be like, judging me or asking like what's up with the suit kind of like how i just was with you but you know you like that i i for me i feel like fuck i gotta explain myself <laughs> um and you're i feel like this you're south asian right yeah i'm filipino filipino okay pretty much so, south asian you know exactly what a filipino mullet is yeah okay so that haircut, which is basically just the sides of your head shaved, and that's it. Yeah. With the spoon, looks fucking dope. All right. And it's just about, you can get like a black, just a regular ass black suit with like a white shirt and a fucking black tie. It could be a clip on, doesn't matter. But it, it's about the way you, you feel in that suit, not necessarily the way you look in it. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you're rocking the shit, you're walking out with your chest out and your head up and you got the glasses on or not, it doesn't matter. And you just walk around like you fucking, you run your own life, and not everybody around you, then people are going to respect it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never, um, I haven't been fitted for a suit since I was in high school. Um, I feel like it'd be, yeah, I, I, that is something that I've wanted to do. I just don't really have the occasion to, unless I'm, like, going to a wedding or getting married or something like that. But, I guess... My thing. I mean, you could look nice in a nice tailored suit, and like for me, if if I want to get into more detail, I feel like for me personally, it it helps if my muscles show. Like if I look like fit in a suit or just any article of clothing, that's what. If it complements my muscles or my my physique, I'm I'm down with it, you know. And I just feel like if I were to just go to men's warehouse and be like whatever about it and not put time and effort into getting something that's like tailored to me and i just feel like i'd look all boxy you know oh everything you see me in on stage is from a thrift store 
Where do you where do you thrift? Goodwill? Uh, not just Goodwill. There's like Eco Thrift. There's this place called Thrifty. Um, Savers over in Dublin is the shit. If you ever wanted to go buy like a cheap suit for any reason whatsoever, just go there. You spend fifty bucks and walk out with the fucking tux. You said you know, in, in Dublin. In Dublin, yeah. Okay, I I gotta check it out. Yeah, one day, dude, you might see me in a fucking suit. And that's yeah, another. Yeah. Oh, dude, the shoes, man. I've got I've got really bad. Uh, I suck at shoes, man. I don't know how you are with shoes, but like people. People really care about the shoes, keeping them clean, and like have whole closets full of shoes and stuff like that. I suck with shoes because my reasoning is shoes are the things that get the dirtiest the most. They touch the fucking floor and stuff like that. So, I like I had a white pair of Air Maxes, and the moment they got dirt on it, I was just like, these are my dirty shoes. Like I'm, I suck at maintaining clothes and shit like that. I am the opposite of that. Um, coming from poverty, it's not saying that you didn't, but uh, this is just where I came from. Yeah. The the one set of clothes that I got per year needed to last me at least that year. Yeah. You know? So I became really good at maintaining all the clothes that I own, except for my fucking leather boots. I just haven't cleaned them in years. Mm. But if you ever see me in that red and black sweater, the one without the hood, it's got like, like the Letterman style to it. I think so. Yeah, I've had that sweater for 10 years. You said it's red and black? Yeah, red and black. I think I, yeah, I think I saw that the moment I first ran into you. Yeah, it was really casual that day. But that's one of my, um, you know, I'm going to look like a fuckboy today kind of outfits. You know what I mean? I think it looks good with the motorcycle. (laughs) Of course it does. It gives (laughs) off very, um... You're like a Marvel character. I don't know what kind it is. You're like a hybrid of Ghost Rider and and Deadpool, but with a little bit of Punisher in him. Like, I, I don't know. Because I was about to say you're like Deadpool, but a little bit more serious. But fucking, you're a comedian, so I feel like that's insulting to say. It's just... <laughs> you've got... When I talked to you, even the last time I saw you in person, I think, at uh, Tipsy or Dan Murphy's, you were... I, I don't know if you remember your talk. There was a uh, there was a uh, a drunk couple, and there, there was like drama going on. And you were talking yeah. about like, yeah, man, I'm I'm all cool and everything, but if you fuck around, like I'm not the one, this and that. And I was just all I could think is like, yeah, this guy's giving off. I think I told you at the at the moment. I said you're giving off Andrew Tate vibes. Like I'm not the one. I'm I'm you know I'm a real motherfucker. This and that. But then. Um, trying to think. Where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? Uh, uh, yeah, that gives off. If to put it in Marvel perspective, yeah, it gives off real Punisher vibes rather than Deadpool vibes. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? It's like with the red and black and the and the vibe that I get from you and everything. It's it's darker, but it's still comedy. Like I feel like Deadpool isn't really dark comedy. It can be. It's just it's sillier. It's dark, but would wait. You don't seem like a silly guy, but that's. I'm not saying that in a in a um, bad way. You know, you just yeah, like you could you could still not be a silly guy, but make jokes and stuff. But you just yeah, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> you seem serious about your fucking comedy. <laughs> yeah. Serious enough, I suppose. Yeah. Well, oh, let me ask you this: What's the longest set you've ever done? 
okay. Um, can I get a premise? You don't have to tell the whole 20 minute story, but. Yeah, well, the, it started with me meeting her in a parking lot at, at like midnight, basically. And then five hours later, we we're together and we've been together for 10 years. Just the basic gist. Oh, wow. And you're still with her, huh? 10 years, man. Still nice, going. nice. I've been with my girl eight years, a little over eight. Congrats. Yeah. Well, how does what does your girl think about you uh, doing comedy? Supports it hundred percent, but she's heard all these jokes before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Um, my girl's the one who told me to start doing comedy, and I feel like if I didn't, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, really. Um, and she comes to my shows. Do you bring your lady with you to your shows? You guys live together? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, um... I, I, dude, I just came up with a joke. I said it on the last podcast, actually. Um, okay. It's like... Yeah, so, uh... uh I'll just kind of say... I, I Yeah, I've been in a relationship. Sorry, ladies, I'm, I'm in a relationship. It's been about eight years. Uh, she didn't come tonight. Uh, but that's not new to me. She doesn't normally come. Um, it's always kind of a, you know, 50, 50, she's going to come or not. I'm lying. It's probably like 40, hundred. And then, and then I just kind of go from there, kind of ranting about her a little bit, got some jabs for her. And then I go into like Mormon people and stuff like that. But I don't know. I thought the coming joke's pretty funny. <laughs> um, good setup. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, yeah, so, like, a lot of the jokes, you know, of course, my girl will hear it first, and it's always just this big hee-hee-ha-ha moment when we first come up with it, but then, you know, of course, she's already heard him before, and she doesn't really know how the crowd reacts. It's funny, when I bring her with me, she always talks about, like, how nervous she is for me and stuff, because, you know, my jokes can sometimes be a little risky, I'd say, um, or just, like, I don't know. Uh, some of my jokes, I feel like it starts off with like, whoa, what did you just say? Then I'll quickly like turn it around with wording and be like, oh, that's what he meant. Um, and she's always worried that it's not going to work. And then when she tells me how nervous she is, it, it gets me thinking like, geez, it's like if, I almost feel like you're more nervous than I am to do the stuff because I don't really get that nervous. And um, but she's, it, it's cool that when, when, when I'm done, when I get off and she's just like, Geez, it worked, <laughs> you know. And I was like, I told you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely the same way, my lady. Except I'll tell her the joke in a uh, dry, sarcastic way, mm. and then I'll go up on stage and do it in a little bit more of a deviously goofy way. Okay. Have you ever told a joke that she doesn't like, and she's just like, I don't want you to say that joke? She says yes, <laughs> but. <laughs> I guess I'll get that answer from her later about which, oh, you know what it was, um, uh, what was her name? There was a comic that we know that was in a, a wheelchair. Comic that we know is in a wheelchair. I don't think I know him. I don't, I can't recall anybody who's in a wheelchair. You were there that night. I think you were there the night that I'm referencing, but oh. there's, uh, there's Jackson that, uh, that's in a wheelchair, and then there's, I the girl's name, but... I really like her. Like, me and her are really cool. And when I was up on stage, I was, you know, shooting the shit with her. And I basically made reference. 
Right. But, uh, yeah, that was the only time that the lady was like, are you fucking serious? So. Yeah. No, I get it. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, my girl's kind of, she gets like that too. Um, she, I'd say she's introverted too, but it's like, um, it's just a drive, like driving out and going to places, especially if I'm just going to do like three to five minutes somewhere. But, um, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, it's just the beginning. You never know. Um, what would happen but it's cool like do you think there's a joke that um you still tell from the very first time you did comedy you know that first step that i did when i was telling the story about me and the lady there's a couple of things that i have recycled but you know the whole story is like all encompassing you gotta know everything from the beginning to end in order to, to get the little jokes in between so not really so I'm, I'm going to save that for, for refinement if I ever get more than 20 minutes on stage or something. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I I was in over my head a little bit, and I kept on talking about... Um, uh, I think I even told Luis this, and he was like, that's pretty brave of you. And I was like, yeah, every time I go up, I want to do a new set. Like, it's always something new. And um, from the moment I told him that, I don't know if I cursed myself or what... Now, from the moment I told him that, I am starting to recycle jokes and just do stuff that works. Like, I'm getting comfortable out there, but I don't really want to say it's, like, a bad thing. It's just it's just a part of the art. But it, I think coming into it, I, I – how do you, how you say, like, bit off more than I could chew because now it's – if I'm going regularly – because I guess that first one I did this, I was like, I'm just going to fucking do it every now and then and just – give it something else but i always tell people um my whole main goal for doing this is just i just want to have fun you know like i don't give a fuck if i'm an open micer for 10 years or whatever i just i just want to have fun i don't want to like uh treat it like work um i think at times it can get like it i've had conversations with certain people it's like yeah man but you still got to get somewhat serious about it and that's another joke that I made up like two days ago. It's like ever since I got in this comedy game, talking to comedians, they're like, "This comedy game, man, it ain't no joke. This is this this, this is that real shit, you know? This this comedy game ain't no joke." And I'm like, "It's really because I thought it was jokes this whole fucking time." <laughs> yeah, this whole fucking game of the game. Yeah. <laughs> and so I I don't know, man. Like people are reading books and all of this stuff and how to do it. I just think. Like, there's a comedian, I don't know if you know him, uh, do you know who Jethro is? He, he's been around certain, uh, he's an Asian fella, but he lives out in, uh, like, the Stockton area, so it's kind of a journey. He went to Good Time Tavern, and there was somebody pulled up in a motorcycle, I was like, oh, is that Don? And then, it wasn't, it was some other guy. Um, but he was like... Like, the only advice... I don't know. Everybody's different. I feel like this whole comedy shit is so subjective. And there's not uh, a by-the-book way to do things. It can help. I'm not trying to be so against it and go against the grain of things. And, you know, what the fuck do I know? I'm just a white belt comedian four or five months in. But, I don't know, man. To, to, to my advice to other people who are new to, it's just... um. Do what you think works best for you. Like him, I think what I was just trying to tell him was just getting up there is just about 
feeling comfortable on stage and things like that. Because a lot of people kind of just get into stand-up comedy to get rid of their stage fright fear. You know, I've seen a lot of people do comedy for the first time in their life and they always have to throw it in their set. Like, this is, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. This is so scary and all of that. And I, I did something like that the first time I went up. I made one reference to being nervous. But a lot of the times when I get up there and talk about being nervous, it's, I'm usually just trying to make a joke out of it. Um, and I don't know. Do you Did you feel super nervous your first time, or have you always just been all right with public speaking? Um, I've always been good with public speaking. Being on a stage in front of everybody with no uh, feedback, that's hard. Um, the thing that, I, that I'm always really good at is in conversation, you know, I'm just talking to you in the back and we're smoking a cigarette, drinking, you know, some alcohol and just shooting the shit. Mm -hmm. I'm a fucking hilarious dude. But going up on stage and trying to talk about the shit that I'm always thinking about is, and trying to make it funny, you know, that's hard because there's really no reciprocation in, in conversation in that respect. It's just you and a microphone trying to make people laugh. Yeah. So it's real lonely. It's real lonely up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it, it does feel a little weird sometimes when you try to tell a joke and you don't get any laughs. And especially if you're at a place where it's mainly comedians, you'll second guess yourself and you might have that internal battle of like, this is fun. This would have been funny if it was a real crowd or it's like maybe maybe they're just not listening or or it's just like, yeah, I guess it wasn't funny. And you'll see it. A lot of comedians will tell a joke and it bombs. And then at the end of it, they'll just be like, fuck you guys. I thought it was funny. So I'm saying that, um, um, you know, this is one of my philosophies that I want to share with you that I share with a lot of comedians. And I think you could, uh, resonate with it a little bit with your job and stuff. It's like, um, death, you know, yep. some people fear it. Some people respect it. You know, I feel like you're kind of on the respecting, uh, side of things you don't would you say you fear death no not at all um if death was a person they're probably trying to fuck them <laughs> <laughs> exactly man so i guess the point i'm trying to get at is like you know i'm suicide logs this is my my podcast is about uh it stems from suicide a little bit i won't get too much into it but my philosophy yeah. is always like look man if i want to turn it into comedy i'd say um you know, if you're not afraid to die, you better not be afraid to get up on stage in front of people to tell jokes. Because if you are, you're full of fucking shit then. And you are scared of death. And then uh, before I translated it to the that comedy philosophy of it, I guess I kind of thought of it with like working out. You know, like so if you really fucking hate yourself and you wanted to kill yourself, why don't you just work out until you died? Because I guarantee you... Like, if you were depressed or something, and you're like, oh, I want to fucking take the easy way out, jump off a bridge, shoot myself in the face, whatever, I bet you can't just get up and run five miles, because, like, a quarter way through that first mile, you're gonna be like, fuck, I want to stop. But it's like, do you really want to stop? Because you just said you wanted to die. This is what dying feels like, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll have those feelings sometimes, like, on stage, um... Like if I if I feel like I'm blanking out or something, I don't know. It's kind of calming. It's kind of common to just like feel that feeling of nervousness or failure, and just like 100% being okay with it and just being at peace with like this is what I signed up for, 
you know um and, yeah, like and I said, the whole getting uh, laughs thing is just a bonus sometimes i don't know i was gonna say that um you know my philosophy is that you know death is beautiful it's the only the only guarantee in life it's an ugly truth but you know it's the only thing we're actually guaranteed so if you're gonna die anyway then what the fuck's the point of living a life without actually risking it exactly you know I mean? exactly you said you wanted to do a bunch of drugs before you died, huh? Yeah, I got a whole little bucket list of, uh, of things that I wanted to try before I died. You know, what, what's something you haven't done yet? Um, I'm definitely afraid to try uh, LSD, to be honest with you. Because of all those past traumas, I feel like you know taking that potent of a, of a psychedelic would bring a lot of that shit back up and cause some issues. How but you- if I'm going to die the next day, guaranteed, then fuck it, you know, let's go. Have you ever done shrooms? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I've done shrooms before, and yeah, I've, um, I mean, I don't think I want to do LSD or acid. Um, it's not, it's not necessarily a bucket list thing of mine. Um, yeah, I don't trust it, man. It's just, it just seems synthetic, and you never know really what you're gonna get unless you trust the person and stuff like that. What else? Yeah, have you ever tried DMT? Never heard of it. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Um, my take on that is I've never really seriously considered doing it. I don't think I want to. The only thing I know about it is that your brain always has a little bit of it, like a little like natural DMT and like right before you die, right before you die, your brain releases like a, a big amount of it, so you kind of have a DMT trip before you die, right? And, uh, um, I don't I know if I'm, wait, what's that? I'm sorry. Uh, I wrote a paper about that in high school. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, um, you know, now people don't necessarily think about death, and I was already thinking about it way back then, yeah. and I wrote some hypotheses about what actually happens when you die, and one of them, which might fuck some people up, is that the life you're living right now is just a recording that you're playing back in the moments of your death. I think so about that tons of times. Yeah, it's just the reason why, uh, like, Deja Vu, and I've been here before, and Do I Recognize You always happens, because you have experienced these things before, but now you're, like, in your in the throes of death, and you're just reliving your life and going, well, I shouldn't fuck that up, and I should have done this better, and, you know... You're just going past it, and after you're done living that life, then you're completely gone. The other day, I was thinking about um, death as well. I was thinking about... Well, let me ask you. Are you a religious person? Never been religious? No, I've never been religious. Would you say you're an atheist, or just more of like an agnostic kind of guy? There's, there's something going on in his life that we can't necessarily explain. But I think religions get close. They just don't actually tell the whole truth. It's just something that we can't understand, so we can't put into words. Okay, that's a good take. Uh, but I wanted to share. Um, I uh, I do think about that. What you were saying, like how kind of like your life flashing before your eyes, kind of thing. But it's just like a recording. Sometimes yeah. I think of that, but sometimes I also think about times in my life where I am ungrateful like times where I want more or I'm not happy with what I got and I think about one day I might die and reincarnate into um 
just a less fortunate person um and you, you you know how like when you're a baby you you don't really start communicating until you're like four or five right yeah. like you know uh correctly communicating but um i feel like i had this theory like what if from the moment you're born for those first three to four years you have the conscience of your past life and and but you cannot communicate to people and little by little you forget about it and that's when you kind of like start your new life so i always think about you know being born in just like already just a shittier circumstance i already kind of know where this is going and I've got the conscience of my 28-year-old or however old I am when I die in this new life. And all I can think is like, oh my god, I had it so fucking good. I was so ungrateful. And now here I am. I'm fucking in North Korea. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty shit spot to be born. <laughs> shit, that could be a joke, I guess. I don't know. I might try that one day. <laughs> Something like that. That sounds funny as shit. Gotta set it up right. Um, yeah, must <laughs> um yeah i got a couple of new jokes have you ever hit the tommy t's open mic no i keep hearing that they start at like seven o'clock and i get off at six thirty. Wow! and you i know you told me where you live but how how long is a drive to get to to uh, tommy t's uh depends on the car or bike um hmm. I'm in the car, you know, leaving at that time in the day and trying to get over there. It's going to take me about 30, 45 minutes. 30, 45. Um, and you get off at 630, huh? Yeah. You know what, man? It's kind of slow on some of those nights. And I'm not trying to say I have leverage or anything. I don't know how loud this would be. But it's like, you know, lately, the past, like, month I've been there, it, it's never been capped. Um, like, uh, the last time I went there, we didn't have that many comedians. We only had, like, mm, 10 12 and it caps out at like 20 so maybe one day i could I'll, I'll communicate with you and try and get you like on the you could be last you know so you can make it it sounds fun man i appreciate that a lot yeah man um because like i think the last time i ran into you at good time tavern um i, I met up with luis there and it's kind of nice to hit um tommy t's and then right after hit good time so the last time i was there i was um who was I with? I was I ran into RJ. You know who RJ is? Yes, I love her. Yeah, so she was there. We both we both met up at Tommy T's, and then right after we went to Good Time, and then her, Jethro, a couple of the other comedians, they always do Tommy T's first, and then they go to Good Time, and then that was the first time I did like eleven minutes. So that's the most time that I've ever done. So it was cool. Like I did four minutes at Tommy T's, and then I just took all of that. Uh, in the same night you know it's like an hour gap and then i'll get a good time do all of that and then try some extra stuff um yeah it's 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 always good and then i think the person who even told me about doing it like that actually was luis he was the first one where i was like oh shit i'm doing comedy twice in one night fuck it yeah yeah so i'll hit you up about that i know there's one next week that i'm gonna do but I don't think it's on a Wednesday, so it doesn't line up with the Good Time Tavern thing. Um, but well, that was the very night. yeah, they do it. Tommy T's does it twice a month, and so I think on the second time, um, they do it for the month. It's on a Tuesday, so that's when you get that lineup where you get to do 
uh, Tommy T's and Good Time. Yeah, I mean, after that, man, uh, Wednesdays, I like to stay uh, faithful to Tipsy's, Danny Murray's. That's like establishing a pattern of, um, you know, if you ever wanted to come see me do my shit, I'm here every single fucking Wednesday, you know? Okay. Yeah, that one's kind of far from me. That one, like, I remember driving home from that one. I was like, this is a weird fucking exit. Like, it, <laughs> it was weird. Driving out. I used to live in San Leandro, though. That's what's funny about it. Um, every oh, time. Yeah. I- yeah, I went to Washington Elementary. I remember telling Luis that. And then he was just like, you know, at one point we could have been at the same school together. Because he's a little younger, though. How old is he? Like 24, 23? I have no fucking clue. He's, he's young, bro. He's, he's like, young. I, I can't tell you. Yeah. Exactly. I, he's got a joke about it. <laughs> no, no that's, he's right. Because he, he looks 50, but 20 at the same time. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. That's comedy for you. It puts miles on you. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I don't know, man. They, I mean, I've had you here. This is this is open gym, bro. You can talk about whatever you want, or you can cut me loose. I am chilling. I am doing this right here. I don't know if you're looking at your phone. I'm just hanging out. Um, this is this is this is free time, bro. This is my podcast is super laid back. Kind of like how I am in real life, I'd say. And just no structure. Oh, shit. I think you're cutting out again. Oh, shit. There you are. There My you bad. Are. Fucking right. AT&T, dude. Or no, fucking terrible. Wi-Fi. <laughs> join the conglomerate. Be part of the Sprint T-Mobile family plan. Is that what you have? Yeah, actually, uh, I used to do... Do you ever hear, like, Amway? Yeah, it sounds familiar. It, the, is that, like, a kind of... I think I'm thinking of Huawei. <laughs> those are like those phones. Oh, right? Yeah. But uh, no, Amway is this company that got started in the 60s that sells a bunch of pharmaceuticals and food products and home products of that nature. Um, but they also have like subsidiaries that are multi-level marketing businesses, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I was part of the multi-level marketing side of it and got into you know buying their products and one of the products was a phone plan through sprint that gave you a 20 percent discount because you were part of amway yeah so you know i got onto the plan from there left amway kept sprint because they were treating us all right and then t-mobile bought sprint and now we're a t-mobile family okay yeah i uh i got a couple people in my life who have a t-mobile and i talk shit I, uh, <laughs> they, it just, they have bad connections, man, but it's maybe just like when you cross AT&T with T-Mobile or something, but they always swear by it and people want me to get on the crew, but I'm just like, dude, you, you always cut out. You always cut out compared to when I talk to other people who've at least got Verizon even something about T-Mobile. Like, like my girl has T-Mobile a couple of years ago, we went to a festival and we had to get a Lyft or Uber from the festival to our hotel. I'm like, her phone wasn't working. She had no service. I'm like, see, what if we both had T-Mobile? We wouldn't be able to get out of here. <laughs> okay. Sorry, bro. <laughs> Did somebody fall? <laughs> um, we went thrift store shopping yesterday, and I bought my lady a bunch of nice stuff, and one of the things was like this crop top that she thought would fit, and it was way too small. She got stuck in it. <laughs> Had to fucking scissor it open, huh? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I got stuck under the titties. That's, <laughs> you know, she had to have me help her get it off. 
dang, dude. You got me thinking about my outfits. Yeah, man. Like, one thing about me, I am an outfit repeater. I fucking... Everything I'm wearing right now, I think, has been Christmas gifts to me. Like, I never buy new clothes, man. I'm just so fucking cheap. I just... But I feel like it would make me feel better. I feel like I... But it's... I don't know. It's like, do I want to feel better? Or, like, does it really matter? I always just try to, like, argue with myself. It's like, you don't need it. You don't need it. You know? It's like... But it goes against the whole look good, feel good thing. Because I guess in my head... When I repeat outfits, I'll just be like, well, people don't fucking know. Like, for all all these people know, this could be a brand new outfit, even though the sweater's seven years old, you know. Um, one time, I, I got, like, this really uh, nice uh, button-up shirt that I have, and um, I wore it twice. So, like I said, my grandma um, passed away a couple of months ago. She had a stroke. Um, but we got to see her a couple of days before, um, she passed. And I think two days in a row, I wore the same shirt. And so like my dad picked me up, I came out wearing the shirt and then I don't, it's so funny because I didn't, I just felt like I didn't wear it enough. I felt like I didn't get enough compliments on it or something. I was like, fuck this dude. I'm wearing the same shirt again. So the second day we went again and I get in the car with my parents and my, my dad's like, are you wearing the same shirt? And I'm just like, yeah, I really like this shirt. And he's just like, the fuck is wrong with you? And then <laughs> we, we went out to where my grandma was and we met up with more family members. And those family members did not see me the previous day. And they were all complimenting me on my shirt. And I was like, yeah, I fucking told you. Yeah. I'm glad I wore this shirt today. <laughs> Haters. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm definitely a two-peak kind of person. Um, I'll wear the same jeans for like a week. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. But um, like for suit stuff, I it, it costs a lot of money to get that shit dry clean. So it's one of those few clothing articles that you can wear repeatedly without getting judgment for it, I believe. Yeah, yeah, something about jeans, like... What's the reasoning behind that? Because I'm like that too. Like I'll I'll never wash my fucking jeans unless you know there's an oil spill on that bitch. But like, why do people not wash their jeans? Like I don't. Well, it's do... not people. It's men. Men don't yeah. wash their jeans. Okay. <laughs> we uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's we're wearing jeans for practicality, not for for fashion. You mm. know, most of us. Yeah. So. For me, I'm wearing my jeans because I'm going out to ride my fucking motorcycle. I'm going to go buy some shit from the store and then come right back home. It's not like I'm going out and, you know, gangbanging for a whole day and then coming back with juices all over me. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's no need. Like you said, there's not an oil slick on there. There's no point in fucking washing them. I think it but, has something to do with the material. I don't know. Uh, definitely the material. It's thicker and more rugged. Uh, mm. Doesn't mean smell is bad, but... If you ever put your nose in the ass crack area of your pants, you that's when you'll start realizing maybe I should wash these more. Okay, I gotta do that. I've never done that. Dude, when I was in the sixth grade, um, there was this girl who was talking about, I put lotion on my jeans. It prevents my jeans from getting ashy. And for, yeah, for years, I believed it. For years, I was like, you know what? That's That's intelligent. But uh, never saw other people do it. So then it took me about four or five years to be like, you know what? Maybe she's full of shit. I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
what else is on your bucket list of what you want to do before you die? And also, what are certain things that you recently got off that bucket list? Oh, that's a good one. Um, that's a really good question, man. So, for what's on my bucket list still, there I have never been out of the country, right? Hawaii does not count. Mm-hmm. So, at some point, I definitely want to go see at least Canada, you know, the bare, bare fucking minimum, because they're close by. And... You know, that's that's about it for the simple stuff. You got your passport, or you still got to work on that? Don't get. I don't have a passport. I am doing everything I can to avoid it because I just don't need it. You know. Yeah. You're gonna need it it. when you leave the country. Exactly. So when that happens, then I'll go. Okay, maybe I'll spend the three hundred bucks to get one. You know, (laughs) so big. Do you uh do you watch the show Kill Tony? I do every week. Yeah, dude. So I went out there. Uh, to watch it uh, a couple of weeks ago you know how they always uh they always shout out the yellow and red rose strip club yeah i wanted to go i've never been that's something i I don't know if this is my bucket list or not though that's a thing i'm not too crazy about it um but i've never been to a strip club um Uh and but the the thing is is that and i'm straight you know i'm straight as a ruler Nothing wrong with being gay, uh, but also, you know, nothing wrong with not being gay, all right? So, but I've also been to a drag show. um, How was that? And my girl, I mean, my girl technically kind of dragged me to it. I didn't want to do it. I was just kind of doing it because that's what she was doing that night. And uh, I don't. it kind of bothers me that I've never been to a strip club, but I've been to a drag show. I don't know. Um, And how was it? It was... um, it was wild. It was wild. There was a lot of crazy stuff going on. I got, I got touched unsolicited a little bit, and um, you know, I was just enjoying. I was, just, you know, I was just enjoying, like not trying to sound so like, man, this is not fair. I've been to this freaking drag show, never got to see real ass and titties. Uh, <laughs> we got to see real ass and titties. They just weren't female ass and titties. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, the, the, these guys are freaking huge, man. These guys, like, I felt when they were grabbing up on me, I was like, man, this motherfucker probably bench press more than me. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. the grip on this motherfucker, man. <laughs> Most of them are blue collar. <laughs> <laughs> man. But what else? What else you got um, on your list? So, out the country, you'd rather go to Canada than go to, like, Mexico? No, it's just an example, and oh. I don't speak enough Spanish to assure my own safety in Mexico, so no. no. Um, I might go visit Guatemala, for example, because my stepdad's from there, and, you know, mm. he speaks but high praises about it. Okay. There's, a, there's an area in Guatemala named Huehuetenango that just sounds fun to say, so I want to go check it out. <laughs> just all day. We're in Huehuetenado. Huehuetenango, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. I've been to Mexico... No. I'm looking at a picture right now of me in Mexico. I went to, um, you ever heard of something called Papa's and Beer? Yeah, this is fucking french fries and beer. Nah, nah, it is, um, you gotta YouTube it, dude. It is just, like, wild. It is, you ever see the videos of the Mexican people where they're, like, they, 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 um, it starts with normal shit. Like, they blindfold you and they spin you around a bunch of times and give you shots of tequila 
And then there's just like uh-huh. then it turns into like taking shots out of girls' asses and stuff like that. Like they get really girls gone wild out there. There's a, there's a lot of cartel videos that start the same way, but they don't end with happiness. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I see where your fear comes from because from my experience, it was uh, it could have gone really bad, and I was naive. How old am I? I was like 22 at the time, and I was just, I was drunk the whole entire time, and it was a cruise too. So I was like so drunk, I didn't know if I was seasick or drunk. And um, everything was so cheap. It's like 50 cents for just like a 40 ounce. And I don't know if it was bad beer or what. I threw up in the hot tub of the cruise. I got belligerent. Um, and so we're out here in Mexico. It's it's a different world out there, man. Like my phone had no service. They had just random sex shops everywhere. I just remember stumbling into sex shops. And, you know, I look different. And I'm with my, but my girl's Mexican, so she speaks Spanish, and she's basically being my translator. And I just felt targeted. I felt like they were. I remember people inviting us over to their bar. It's like 2 p.m., you know, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll give you free shots. We'll give you free shots." And uh, looking back at it, I did not look at the. I wasn't paying attention to the drinks when they gave them to us, which is like number one rule of safety. You should probably be doing that, keeping an eye on your yeah. drinks. But I was already hammered, and I'm just like, keep passing them to me, man. Keep passing them to, to me. Everyone out there kept calling me Manny Pacquiao, too, because at the time I had, like, shorter hair. And um, it was uh, – it, it, it could have gone really wild. We took a horse ride, and they fucking fandangled us. Um, um, what's that? They stole some money from me? They just tried to. They just, like – we're like, we want to go here. We want to go to like the other side of this town that'll take us back to the cruise or something like that. And I didn't know what the hell's going on. I'm just drunk as hell in this fucking horse. Like, and I'm not like riding the horse. It's being dragged by like a, a carriage or whatever. And um, and then my girl, I don't think I've ever even said this on the podcast. Like, this is one of those moments where I felt like. Uh, uh, I don't know the word for it right now, but like she, she was like complaining. She's like, he fucking grabbed my ass when he like hoisted me up onto the, to the horse. And like, she didn't tell me until like after we got away from the guy. And I was like, bro, if you said that he did something like that right then and there, I would have caused the fucking scene. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in this carriage and we're just, I'm lost. Like, we're just going somewhere. It looked shady. I thought we were about to get kidnapped, dude. And so my girl had to just be like, we want to go back. Like, we want, and he's just, you know, he's like, that's an extra 20. And he's like, no, you didn't say that. You didn't say that. And so we had to, like, fight to kind of get our way with what we wanted because that motherfucker was trying to fendangle us. Yeah. North American Jews, a.k.a. Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> Man, somebody asked me about this whole Kanye West and the Jew shit, and I've got a buddy who does the show with me who's been talking about it a little bit. Like, do you have a take on it? I, I, I'm kind of blind to everything. I don't really know exactly what's going on. I don't look over shit with a fine tooth comb. I just kind of see the headlines and move on. The um, this worldwide hatred of Jewish people. And, you know, like, this, it's just out of fear. It's based out of fear. You don't necessarily like or respect something you don't understand. 
Mm-hmm. And Jewish values and belief systems and behaviors, you know, they may seem repulsive to some, but to others, you know, for people that didn't really have a family, you just realize that they're just trying to keep their family together at all times. You know, that's the, the main premise of being a Jew is just, you know, family. Family comes first. Okay. And that means that anybody that's Jewish is your family and you take care of them first and foremost. And I respect that choice mm. because at the end of the day, who really understands what you're going through other than your brother or sister or, you know, someone that you hold close to the confidant. Do you yeah. have siblings? Yeah, I have uh, two brothers and a sister. Okay. And so were they like in foster care with you? The oldest siblings, yes. And then my youngest sibling, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of an only child. I have a sister, but I never grew up with her or anything. Um, Interesting. Half-sister. That makes sense. Okay, I'm going to ask that next. Um, nah, but the Jewish thing, uh, shit, I'm about to fucking take a risk right here. I, I wasn't going to say it on the podcast because it was like fear of getting canceled. But my thing is like, bro, you can't get... You can't cancel what hasn't even been scheduled yet, so I'm going to fucking go for it. I already said some kind of racy shit on this show before, but this is this is coming straight from ignorance, all right? And I, I'll try to explain myself as much as I can, and maybe you can talk me through this. Maybe you could kind of like, I don't know, I'm curious on what your take is for this. So, um, my friend who's like obsessed with Kanye West kind of asked me about it, and is just like trying to fish for an opinion from me. And, um, by the way, I told this joke to RJ and, and, and I didn't really get a good response from her. She just kind of raised her eyebrows and was like, Oh, and the way she said it was like, Oh, don't say that on stage. Um, I, uh, I don't have any problems with Jewish people. That's how I'm going to start saying this. Like if anything in my whole life, dude, I feel like I've met more people who fucking hate Jewish people than I have actually met Jewish people. I feel like I've only met like 10 Jewish people in my life. And uh, I don't know, I guess Adam Sandler's my favorite Jew for the most part. I don't know. I don't keep track of that stuff. Um, But uh, what was it? What was it? In the comedy world, it just, even Luis has a joke about Jewish people. Like, it always seems like Jews, it's like, they're just the punchline. It just seems like people just love, and and every time I hear jokes about the Jews, sometimes I don't even 100% understand the joke. But I'm like, ah, they're making fun of Jews, good one. You know, just to kind of like, be a good sport about it. Um, But I'm never offended, I'm never like... Oh, how could you say this? I think I saw something that like I've talked about before about like Jewish people. Um, they gotta suck the dick after they circumcise it. That's a little, that's a little kind of weird, you know. You you know what I'm talking about? Not entirely inaccurate. Okay. Yeah, it's uh that's the only thing where I'm kind of like whoa, but um <laughs> with the whole Kanye West thing that's going on, like. I ain't got a problem with the Jews. Like as a comedian too, you'll never see me make a joke about the Jew, about the Jews. You know, I'm, I'm cool with the kikes. You know, like I, I you know, we're cool. I don't care. So I don't know. It's like the N word for Jewish people. Exactly, dude. That exactly. But I guess like my that like I said, it's coming from ignorance. I don't understand the history of that of that word. I don't know how offensive it really is. I never even hear it, really. Like, I feel like the way how people say the K-word is how people... I feel like 
how unused the K word is, is how black people want the N word to be. Like, I, I hear the N word all the fucking time, but I never really hear the K word. But like, when I say that, the, the responses I've been getting has been like, I've said the N word. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just haven't seen it done. You know, <laughs> I saw, I saw Adam Sandler say it once. Wait, what's that? I'm sorry. Keep cutting you off. Yeah, that's what I that's what I meant. Like the N word with the hard R is how I feel like people are thinking of the the K word. But it's just like, dude, like the K word. Like I never even hear about like you don't say the K word. People are always like you don't say the F word, you don't say the N word. But it's like nobody ever really talks about the K word. But people are always talking about the Jews, you know. Words just words. It's about the the way that you put emotion behind it. So I can go up on stage and call myself a nigger faggot kike, yeah. right? Okay. And just the way that I just said it now, it's not like I'm calling anybody that. I'm just saying the words. So now it softens the blow a little bit. Some people may still want to be offended because they're just pussy faggots and they want to be mad about things. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're just fucking words. Like I've lived in a foster home that literally, like you were saying before, being called a nigger is different than somebody going to some nigger. You yeah, know, completely different. Yeah. My dad, Some people don't like it that way, though. Um, they don't. They don't like hearing it at all. With the soft A or the hard R, you just don't say uh, it. I respect that. Yeah. And, but this is coming from uh, you know, there's black people and there's niggas, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also people that believe that niggas come in every color. And when you're born, the the self-respect that you have instilled in you is directly reflected by your parents' self-respect. And mm. if, like, let's say my dad, for example, the first nickname he asked me was the little nigga. Mm. You know, and that was my nickname up until, oh, well, let's start calling him, you know, little this instead. And that was my street name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it's just how that goes. I used to but, say it. I Growing up, I mean, especially in the Bay Area, I used to say the N-word with a soft A just like how I... <clears throat> Just like how I would say bro or dude and, you know, I'd call all of my black friends it and they never had a problem with it. Um, But then, like, you know, other friends from different parts of the world would kind of come here and they take it different. So it's like, I feel like if I'm in the Bay, I might get a pass, but it's like, you know what, I don't even want to challenge it. I'd rather just, you know, be um, on both playing fields, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, but some, I, I don't know, like, I got checked on it once by some guys from Arkansas, but we were talking on Xbox Live, and um, they didn't, they, like, they didn't even know Asian people, you know, they didn't even know what a Filipino person was, so when they heard me say it, they thought I was white, and my question is a funny question, I was like, because you know what a busta is, right? Yeah. So I was just trying to ask them if I was a busta for a certain... Uh, financial decision that I was making and I was like am I a bust ass n-word for saying it for like doing it about this and they all just left they left the party and then I'm like dude what like why did you guys leave is it because what I did was a bust ass thing to do and they're like no it has nothing to do with that it's because he's dropped the n-word I'm like what I thought I, like I thought we we're just talking like <laughs> and then 
I had to explain to them that like I'm Asian because I guess they thought I was white. And I was like, yeah, out here, like as long as you're not white, you kind of get the N word pass. And they were all like, they were all like humoring me and being sarcastic and telling their other friends like, oh no, it's all right. He can say it. He's Asian. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. There was like words I learned for like derogatory terms for Asian. Oh, zipperhead. That was my favorite one. Oh, dude, somebody had a zipperhead joke at uh, Tommy T's open mic. I don't remember his name, but the joke just kind of went along the lines of like, yeah, I think we need to get Asian people more jobs. They're so smart. They're so talented. So I'm thinking of making a website called Zipperhead Recruiter. <laughs> you fucking got me, dude. <laughs> That's a good one. I, um, I've ha- I have this theory or like idea that is so wrong. But, uh, like, it's wrong geographically speaking, but for the past couple of months, I've been trying to tell people that I don't think Indian people are Asian. Um, and it's like, no disrespect to Indian people. You know, Indian people are really fucking smart and, and talented and all that stuff. I just, I just don't think they're Asian. I just think they're closer to Middle Eastern than they are Asian. And it's like, come on, dude. Like, what, what, what's even a derogatory term for Indian people? Like, you, you can't call an Indian person a zipperhead or a gook, like, and, and they'll be offended, you know? Maybe a sand N-word? I don't know. Street shitter. A street what? Street shitter. Street shitter? I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's, that's one of them. Uh, cow fucker is another one. Cow fucker? <laughs> Man. Yeah, I kind of have, like, Indian people are so fucking smart, but they're not smart enough to fix the air quality in their country. Um, but it's like, <laughs> I saw this thing. Um, it was like showing all of the nukes around the world. Like Russia, China, and America are like the top three with the most nuke testings. Like we've got like thousands of testings that we've done all around like Arizona, Nevada area. Um, And like I said, you know, like thousands of tests and India has only had one nuclear explosion test. And all I all I could think about is like, it's because they're so fucking smart. They figured it out in one try. We didn't have to have all this trial and error like all the other countries. And that's probably why the air quality is so fucked up because of that one time they had a nuclear explosion. (laughs) Are you sure about the 1.5 billion people in rising? Oh yeah, man. That's like, have you ever seen the documentary Rats? Uh, not rats, but I've seen some documentaries about India. Yeah, they like Indian people. They like worship rats. They treat rats like how we treat cats out here. Oh, the rat temple. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's crazy. I think they believe that the rats are their family members reincarnated. I think that's what it is. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. They breathe like them. R, uh, uh, not RJ. PJ's Indian, right? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> I might have to get him on the podcast one day. I want to hear his take on India. Is he just yeah, as wild in person as he is? I feel like he is as wild in person as he is on there's, stage. There's, there's absolutely zero difference between him on stage and him off the stage. It's the same fucking guy, same conversation pieces, same jokes, same everything. Same jokes. I remember. Um, the one and only time I saw him at Dan Murphy's, I don't know who it was. I think it was Louise. He was talking about like, yeah, R- uh, I keep saying RJ. PJ came up to me and he just whispered, I have a comedy coach. And just backed away slowly. Like, 
Dude, that guy's a fucking character, dude. Like, <laughs> like I said, he's, he's a weird fucking guy. But the reason why I'm like real good friends with him now is because he's a genuine guy. Like, what you see is what you get, and that's exactly the way that I am. So yeah. I like to, to to hang around people like that, you know. So he's good. He's good for That's good. Yeah, he seems supportive too. He just seems like he's always just looking for good vibes, no drama, and that's really what it's all about. Yeah, man. Well, man, we did about an hour and 30. I appreciate your time. Um, are you are you a Raiders fan or a 49ers fan? Or do you not give a fuck about football? I genuinely don't give a fuck about football. That's good. That's the answer I'm fucking looking for, dude. If you had to choose a gun to your head, what would you be? <laughs> Niners. Niners. I, I feel like it's because of the red and black. I don't know. No, it's uh, my family's historically always been Niners fans. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. My family loves the Niners, but I said, fuck that. I'm going with Oakland. But I don't really watch football. I think they're playing a day. And they went like, I know you don't give a fuck about football, but it's kind of a joke. It's like, I don't really watch football. I can barely watch, like, uh, the first quarter of a game until, like, the moment somebody scores, I'm like, okay, yeah, that team's losing. Let's do something else. I can't fucking sit and watch football for four hours. You got me fucked up. Um... But I always just, like, if I had to choose, I'm a Raider fan just because, one, I want to root for the underdog. And if they ever win a Super Bowl, I think it'll be hilarious to tell people I've been a Raider fan, ride or die, all through through thick and thin. So once that fucking hype train starts, I'm going to be on that bitch conducting it. And, um, um, yeah, they fucking lost. They were, like, 0-24 and 24 last week, and my excuse is because I didn't watch. And I feel like every time I watch the Raiders play – they win, but that's why they lose so fucking much. Cause I never watch football. <laughs> so one day I'm going to watch and we're going to, I'm going to bring them to the super bowl, dude. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, I'll keep you updated with the Tommy T stuff and kind of ask around to see how it is. But besides that, I'll, I'll see you around in the open mic scene. And again, I appreciate your time. It was a good talk. It was good learning about you and your theories and everything. So uh, whatever you want to say for like the minute, if you want to promote something or just leave off on a note, the floor is yours, man. Sounds good. I'll tell you what. I'll start off with the joke that I'm working on, and I'll get to you. All right. And then we'll go with the plugs. Fuck you. So the other day we got a box in the crematory, and I looked in the box, and all I saw in there was a hand. So I went to my boss. I was like, hey, man. Uh, do we charge this the same we would as a full size body? He says, nah, they get a five finger discount. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. But anyway, I can be found on Instagram at Don Tomba Forever, as you already said. And also have my own website, DonTombaForever.com. And that's where I have all my stand ups that I think are worth actually sharing with the world. And uh, any kind of features like this one today, or any kind of YouTube videos that I've already done in the past, where I usually play like magic with my friends or talk shit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Did you but say magic? You do magic? I play Magic the Gathering. Actually, I have all my shit right in front of me right now. Wait, Magic Gathering? Yeah, Magic the Gathering. Is that a video game or something, or like a game, like a board game or something? A uh, card game, actually. Card, card game. game. Okay, and it's like magic, huh? Yeah, it's actually, I think it was MIT. They basically said that it was the most complicated game ever made. Holy shit. You uh, you ever fuck around with a Ouija board? 
I did it one time, and it was not fun. Really? Like, not fun as in you didn't see any ghosts, or not fun because something happened? That's a joke, right? That's a joke. Kind of, sort of. But uh, I really do believe in the occult kind of shit, so if we ever do this again, I'll tell you more about it. Okay. Um, but yeah, ghosts are real. They're, they're just not what you think they are. Okay, that's interesting. Oh yeah, I'm going to have to have you on again so we can get a little darker. Oh, that's the way I do. Fuck yeah, man. All right, I'm going to check your website out. I did see that you, you that you have that. Um, and I'll check it out. I'll check your shit out. So thanks again, man. I will catch up with you later. Sounds good, sir. You take it easy, and I'll take you soup shopping whenever you want, buddy. Fuck yeah, man. Go Raiders. <laughs> Go Sabres. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Later. Have a good weekend. Yes, sir. What a pleasant guy, huh? So... Uh, yeah, that's that. DonaldSombraForever.com Or Don Sombra. Don Sombra. Um, yeah, Don Sombra. I hear noises. I have to get responsible again. So it was good talking to you guys. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.
down.